Hello, and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast. The fastest growing conservative, evangelical, charismatic, uh, Anglican. Anglican podcast <laughs> in the entire Fox Chapel area. Take two. I'm joined today by Kirsten Gerdes <laughs> and by a very angry husband, Josh. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, that was not angry. Who has his own built-in plosives pop filter attached to his face permanently. Beautiful. Uh, your beard. <laughs> Welcome. Kirsten was saying earlier that she has a beard too. Everybody has facial hair. Yeah, this yeah. is true. Well, I have money in my bank account. Does that make me a millionaire? I, Only if you want it to be. A million pennies, maybe. <laughs> sure, that's how it works. We're in the studio again, and we're looking at Second Timothy. It's great to be on the air with you guys. Thanks for staying after annual meeting and bunch of services and children's ministry and singing all day long. And uh, we are actually in Second Timothy, chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Who would read for us? I think I got the nod. Oh, How we do thanks. things in children's ministry, if you volunteer someone, you volunteer yourself. Oh, really? <laughs> but this isn't children's ministry. So well, it <laughs> sort of is. <laughs> yeah. Wait and see. To the end of the chapter? Yeah, please. Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about works, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead to people into for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their kind talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have skewed, who had swerved from the truth, saying that they that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolishness, ignorant controversies, you know that the that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snares of the devil after being captured by him. To do his will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Thank you very much. That's really great. Uh, this is a passage which seems to talk a lot about the way we speak. There's a lot here about um, quarreling and quite a bit about I love irreverent babble, which I'm terrified about because basically that's what this podcast is. 
irreverent babble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. <laughs> At least it seems to be mingled in sometimes. And then uh, that will be interesting to explore. And, and then, you know, he returns to this concept of quarreling again, being quarrelsome and, and then patience and gentleness in the way that we correct. So clearly, although there's an injunction against quarreling, there's also this idea that you might have to put someone in their place. So how do you do it in a way that's Christian? Mm. Uh, anything strike you from the passage just as we get into it? I enjoy that it's with gentleness um, coming from someone who's not very gentle. Yeah, I enjoy that it is speaking of gentleness. Um, I uh, Most times I'm like a bull in a china shop and there is very little gentleness with truth that comes. Um, That's yeah. great. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily know that, but I'm, uh, that would be a very self-aware thing to say about oneself. You know, maybe that's a step in be- toward being gentle. You know? Yeah. You yeah, don't strike no, me as like an ungentle uh, person. At times, I guess I haven't <laughs> had a need to be ungentle with oh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's reverting or re- talking about his bluntness. Mm. Mm. Say it like it is. Yeah. And we have these euphemisms, don't we? You know, I speak as I find, I say it like it is. And uh, sometimes that means, you know, I'm really rude. Um, but what Paul seems to be talking about here is that, that you can't just say, oh, yeah, that's fine. You can't just accept falsehood as though it were true. There's a call, particularly as as a, a leader, to um, correct people and uh, talk to people about what they're getting wrong. Um, Truth with love, right? That's a nice way of putting it, yeah. 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 I, I Can I have one, can I gently push back on your uh, on, on the claim that we do irreverent babble here, though. Oh, yeah. I wonder yeah. when that would happen. Go on. Yeah, because I actually don't think it's irreverent babble. I no. mean, it's like, uh, I, what is it you said? We take the gospel seriously, but not ourselves. Yeah. Because uh, uh, if you, if the listeners could hear in this, we're in a giant purple room uh, on an old Persian rug. We've drilled a bunch of tables through the, or a bunch of holes through the table, tables through the hole. Um there's a radio frequency spectrum sign, pictures of old guys, some of whom are not living. Actually, I don't think any of them are living. Don't talk about Alex that way. <laughs> there is, there is, a, pass, there is a passing resemblance, yeah. <laughs> arguably, between me and the first rector of this church. It's it's pretty certain. Uh, but, you know, Babel is, I, I kind of feel like that's talking about something else. Yeah, and he actually gets on to uh, people outright, didn't, uh, well, Claiming, in fact, that the resurrection has already happened, which uh, oh, you yeah. see. So, I mean, this. So, uh, it's in verse sixteen, irreverent babble, uh, and then we get uh, their talk will spread like gangrene, which is just this image, I think, of uh, you know a necrotic piece of the flesh, a member of the body that actually needs to be cut away. It's it's dangerous. It's spreading. It's going to kill you. Um, they've swerved from the truth, and they're saying the resurrection has already happened. So. Um, I call this um, underwhelming, overrealized eschatology. Wait, say that three <laughs> times fast. <laughs> so, uh, eschatology is the study of the end. You know, when Jesus returns, uh, overrealized eschatology is kind of claiming a bit more uh, of the glory of those days is happening now already. A bit more power than we really have, and underwhelming meaning it's rubbish. Like we we've arrived, and we think arrived should be rubbish. because oh. there's no way this is eternity, I hope. Mm-mm. I 
No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I short, not. short answer, no. But you can see, you can see how uh, it would really disturb people if, if, if the church is going around and saying, no, 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 the Lord has returned. This is it. This is the thing you've all been waiting for. And at the same time, Paul's already acknowledged there's suffering and now there's quarreling. Mm. This is a pretty awful eternity if this is it. Yeah, it would be closer to the bad place than the good place, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I, I quite enjoy the uh, the concept here of this, this great house. We're in verse 20. And I do believe mm. scholars are a bit tied up in knots about what it's even talking about. But there are um, things in a house that are honorable and things that are dishonorable. And I'm thinking, you know, there's the, there's the candlestick on the dining table, there's the chalice on the Lord's table, and then there's a bedpan. There are vessels that, in terms of their shape, are not dissimilar. But in terms of their function, they are wildly different. We have a bedpan in this room as well. We have the, the toilet with the IBM computer on resting on it, too. So there is... Which one's the bedpan? The computer or the toilet? That's we have some question. old junk in the corner uh, as well that just really sets the mood of the room. Mm, yeah. But... Uh, and a beautiful velvet throne in the other alcove. Yes. Uh, so when I'm looking at something, maybe I'll put a picture up on the Facebook page of, of basically the same idea, that within the same room, we've got a really beautiful ornate chair and we've got a ludicrous unplumbed toilet with a, a VGA monitor stuck on top of it. Yeah. And in the same way in, within, within the church, I guess you've got, you've got people who have different kind of places in the church, if that's where, where he's going. But then he says... Uh, that somehow you can change from being the Poe to the throne. Ah, to being the real throne. Yeah, well, I think so. I find this difficult to understand, but it says, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy and useful. So really communion-type language, you know, sacred, consecrated, holy, set apart, kind of special thing. You might... You might be a bit of a a nothing, and suddenly you become special. So, what's the difference between real holiness and sham holiness? Fruits. Fruits. I feel like you yeah. can you can see it in the fruits. I mean, mm. you know, yeah. If, if somebody is showing all of the fruits, then I feel like you kind of have an idea mm-hmm. of where their heart is. But if not, you know, if they're not patient, if they're not gentle, if they're not kind, if they're not loving, I, you can tell, you mm-hmm. know, that it's not real. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And then I also feel like there is a difference between, like, faking the fruits and real fruits of the Spirit. Because, like, faking the fruits, you can kind of tell it's not genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell. In, in your ministry at um, Urban Impact which is really your main kind of place. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we love what you're doing there. And your ministry, I think there's a lot of patience and gentleness needed, but a lot of transformation in the kids too. I, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you take the time to wrestle sometimes spiritually, sometimes physically wrestle with a child who has been through trauma or... Um, just everyone in their life telling them that they aren't good enough or that they have to do better, that it's up to them to uh, set the standard for themselves. And you show them love, you show them patience and gentleness, and you do that 
um, from a place of genuineness because those kids can tell 100% if someone's being genuine or if they're just there for a paycheck. Um, when that happens, you can start to see that transformation in them. There's a kid that I've known since he was in pre-K who's now a fifth grader who, uh, I mean, still fight with him on meaningless things now, uh, but before he was very violent, very uh, wordy, but now has come to know the Lord and love the Lord. And through that, um, he is one of the most loving kids that I've ever worked with and just very genuine in his heart and wants others to know about Jesus. So you start to see this transformation in him, I guess, and you start to see the fruit that you're talking about. And uh, you start to see someone who probably felt dishonorable, I'm imagining. Mm. Um, but you, now you're saying, actually, there's, there's real visible honor for that, that child. Yeah, yeah. And if I, I just keep getting drawn to 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be vessel for honorable use set apart for set apart as wholly useful for the master um, of the house. And, and that one kind of strikes me because it sounds like we have to do it ourselves. Yeah. Um, but what, who has a toilet at their house that cleans itself? Yeah, no one. The, the person that owns the house has to clean the, mm. the vessel, not yeah. the, not the vessel cleaning itself. And yeah. I mean, my toilets don't ask me to clean them, but I can kind of tell whenever they need to be cleaned. Yeah. The wife cleans them. Yeah. Let's be oh, true. The true, <laughs> the true master of the house. Oh. The true master of the house cleans them. So you're God um, in this illustration. No. <laughs> yeah, I like um, that kind of way. That works. But yeah, the, the, the vessel has to desire to be cleaned. Mm. Mm. And then the master comes and cleans it and then can use it. I mean, you're in that real deep stuff, aren't you, there, of how we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And Paul calls us to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and... To what extent do we contribute anything? And the answer is nothing. And yet also we work. It's, it's a real uh, aspect, I think, of this letter that comes up quite a lot. That tension between grace and then a response of, of doing something. Find it in James. Find it in, in other letters of the New Testament as well, Peter. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. Mm. I like that idea. Uh, okay, so we... Um, we find that the Lord's servant in verse 24 must not be quarrelsome. And he says, have nothing to do with foolish controversies, con controversies, Contro controversies. Oh, yeah. okay. It's or no, or is it controversy? Controversy. Controversy. Is this is a, is this a settled on different sides of the Atlantic? Yeah, <laughs> probably. We the, should probably teach Alex English. So, <laughs> The language so of England. We're having a foolish controversy about and quarreling over this. About right now. words. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Which does no good. It only ruins the hearer, the listener. This is really actually convicting when I think about it. Like, uh, so many, so much of our culture wars, at least within the church right now, are all about people are uh, wrestling over, well, how do I read this differently? And, and, uh, just having foolish controversies over uh, and getting into the technicalities about what the Bible says about this or that um, instead of paying attention to the, to the whole picture. Mm. Um, and there's a real, there's a real sense of, I think often drawing away from what really matters, the heart of the gospel. Right. Um, by all this, like what I would consider 
sometimes secondary doctrine tertiary issues. Tertiary even, yeah. Sometimes tertiary, yeah. Um, and the witness ultimately of the church to the world is not so not so hot in the middle of that. Yeah, it's so tempting to get into the, the tiniest kind of arguments about detail. And, uh, you know, I, I love it when you see a church that actually has differences of opinion on things, subtle things, sometimes not that subtle, but, but is able to kind of live together. You know, should we have one chalice? Should we drink out of little cups? Uh, should we come to the front? You know, how much water should we use when we baptize a person? These are, these are you know, not insignificant things and not without uh, complicated answers. Yeah. Yeah. You get burrowed down in, into things sometimes, though. Yeah, and and it is really good to see uh, that that actually it just ruins everybody if you get too bogged down into it. But at the same time, Paul is exploring the tension of having to correct people sometimes as well. Uh, so you do get that in verses 24, 25. Yeah. You don't, you, not getting bogged down in the details, but at the same time, you do have to attend to the details, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because <laughs> if someone starts messing with saying the scripture says something that it doesn't actually say, then I guess it's kind of on on us to yeah. correct that generally. That's what I like about working with, with you too. You um you really care about the scriptures and you see that. I mean, that is God talking to us. Like in the mm. physical form. It's here. It's evident. Yeah. yeah. So we can't we can't change that. Um, it's important that we don't change it and that we follow it completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this also kinda I feel like is a good self-examination of being set apart. Uh, we're to be of the world or in the world, but not of the world that we aren't supposed to look like the world looks like. And when we do these things, if your church looks just like a social media feed, mm-hmm. then is that really set apart? Is that really something right. that is different? If you allow these quarrelsomes to just be what is front and center. Mm. And I feel like that's something that the world is attracted to by the church because there is so much division. There's so much fighting and so much bickering on foolish controversies Mm. that it's nice to see a place where people can have differences, but still be a oneness, still have that unity because the main standard that keeps us together is God who is not changing, who is always the same. Mm. And then the beautiful thing is that scales up to the whole body of Christ all over the world. And especially when you bring other cultures in, you're going to have different expressions of church that are just wildly different to ours then. Uh, You know, my friend was at a church in South Korea recently and and there were 60,000 people and they had to have buses and parking lots on the other side of the city and people would assemble at these parking lots and then come in. I mean, even just getting, it's like a stadium, you know, getting that many people through a gate. That's a that's a major administrative headache. We don't have that problem. <laughs> Just give it a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this podcast will be the thing that does it right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> totally. Mm. Is there anything else that's starting to strike us that we need to to, to look at or, or zoom in on at all? Because uh, Bef- yeah, go on. Before you do that, I need to go honor my wife by helping to put children down. Ben is on the way off, and we'll I, see you. I love you, you all, uh, listeners. Love you. And we'll see you next week. But I hope that it's fruitful from here. Yep. See, that's wonderful. That's a man honoring his wife. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. Awesome. Um, 
If any of you ever want to be on this podcast, you can let us know as well. We'd love to have you come and join us. And there's the proof. We're not going to keep you here beyond your will. See you, Ben. Thanks. Uh, it says uh, in verse 22, it says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Um, so you're, you're the old end of the young in our church now, you two. Oh, man, that's you know? weird. Well. Know, I'm, I'm almost the center of the age. Are you? Yeah, we, well, we were just looking at that. Not the, so the center is 46, yeah, 45, 46 in our church, something like that. Um, you're not quite, are you? 36. Oh, you're 36, yeah. Well, you're the... So, so I don't know if you're seeing anything that's changed in you uh, in the last five years, which is kind of interesting in, in that sort of phase that you're in because you're not kids and you're not young believers either. You're mature believers and you're a married couple. But, uh, you know, there'll be people listening to this podcast who, you know, maybe more than double your age. So um, have you seen anything change in, in your walk with God in the last five years that you think age is a part of? Um, well, whenever I first started coming here, mm. I was, I think, 21, turning 22. Yeah. Um which is crazy. Um, but I, I think I I take it more seriously now. Like whenever I was younger, it was kind of like, I don't know. I, I didn't f- fully commit myself to following Jesus and kind of just, yeah. Um, mm. And now, I I mean, obviously it was God and the Holy Spirit. Um he changed me, and now I want, like, I want to serve him, and I want mm. to do this. Um, yeah, and it's just by his grace that I found my way here, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure, like, sitting in the services, getting the gospel every single week just really transformed um, how, like, my relationship with God and how I want that and, like, how... How knowing how important it is to have that, um, and freedom I think comes from trusting in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess you know I would answer that question by saying I, I feel far less self conscious than I used to, and uh, you know less concerned about failing. Mm. Um, I still do it to fail, mm-hmm. um, and and, I, and you know Kat says that the Holy Spirit, in fact, probably becomes more picky with you the more mature you become. You become more aware mm. of your failings. Um, even if, in an objective sense, you might be doing less disastrous things, it feels more significant because you're more mature. But um, what I don't seem to do anymore is feel like uh, the world has ended. And I, I think age even just plays a, plays a part in that, you know, because you've you've maybe been through this three or four or five times mm-hmm. now, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I get it. God yeah. still loves me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like every everything you've been through, all the mistakes you've made, all the failures, um, it it God puts it in perspective. He's like, it's okay, I love you anyway. Mm. Now He sent Jesus for us because He loves us. Period. Yeah. yeah. Um, for myself, I would say um, it's it's still something the Lord is working on. I am a very sarcastic uh, person. I have a very uh, dry dark sense of humor at times. Um, but there was a verse that God laid on my heart quite a few years ago. Um, 
And it was Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Um, yeah, that was something that I, I wrestled with a lot. Um, the one translation that I first read it in was a man who shoots flaming arrows of death. Mm. Um, that, that, was, that was how I spoke. Yeah. I was shooting flaming arrows of death at people and just saying, oh, I, I was just joking. Like, it's your fault that you're taking it that way. Mm. Um, that's not how I meant it to come across. You need to learn how to take a joke. Um, and again, that's something that the Lord is still, by all means, working on me. Sanctification is a process. And we make progress through that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. But um, through that, just, again, going back to that text, just being gentle, um, having that... Uh, genuine love and compassion for others and seeing them where they are, uh, that we are all on this journey of life together and that some of us aren't where we would want them to be, but it's not our decision to make. We can only just be gentle and just say, follow me as I follow the Lord and just guide them along because um, that's how God is with us. He is a leading pastor. He is a leading shepherd. He is not a driving shepherd. He does not take us and push us into places he hasn't gone before. So who am I to do that to someone else? And that is what they call a Wolpian crescendo. <laughs> There's nothing that, so this is how we know uh, if it was a crescendo because uh, the Los Yetis, they only play when, when someone says the right thing. <laughs> Good job, Josh. So, Josh, you've pleased a very fickle Colombian band from the 1960s they are notoriously difficult to please (laughs) this has been a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel we're so honoured and glad that you would join us and we'll see you all very soon God bless